And let's not forget that the, you know, four or 500,000 people coming into Australia are going to want to buy their own homes in a few years as well. So, you know, first-time buyer demand is going to escalate dramatically in the next few years. You are listening to the Property Developer Podcast, your home for tips, ideas and inspiration to help take your developing to the next level. Now here's your host, Justin Getty. Hello and welcome to episode 103 of the world's favourite property development podcast. How are you doing? I'm well, been enjoying life, getting things done. What's going on at the moment? Got another great episode coming up for you today with a great guest that I know you're going to enjoy. We're going to be talking about predicting where the market's going to go. Just before we get to that, here's a couple of quick project updates from me on my Cambridge Road project. We are doing tiling in the wet areas, so the bathrooms are getting tiling done, which is looking really fantastic, I have to say. And they're working on the outside decking, which is good. At the front, the cladding is finished and the scaffolding will be coming down in the next day or two, which will be awesome because then we'll have no more scaffolding on site. We'll be able to see all the units in their glory, which will be great. Also means we can start working on the trenching for the services that needs to go down the driveway. I have also just launched a sales campaign for the remaining units on that development so that we can start to get some interested buyers so that we can get some more sales before it's finished. On my other project, we're still waiting to hear about our planning application. It should be any day now. It's always a nervous wait until you hear from council. And I've just been doing some work on getting things ready so we can move in and do the land subdivision works. So plenty been going on, which is good. Plenty of been happening on the property developer training front as well with heaps of people taking advantage of the special last month. So thank you to all those people that signed up. If you're still thinking about getting into property development, then be sure to check out my training program at propertydevelopertraining.com. There's heaps of stuff in there about how to do your first project and also all the bonus modules that I've since added in around taking it to the next level and also about raising capital. So tons and tons of awesome content and value in there. Book sales still trundling along nicely. So if you want to grab a copy of my book, Become a Million Dollar Property Developer, head over to propertydeveloperpodcast.com forward slash book. And don't forget, you can take the quiz if you want to find out how ready you might be to become a property developer. That can be found at propertydevelopertraining.com forward slash quiz. And just finally, before we get to today's guest, promotion of the social channels. You can find me on Insta and Facebook, even TikTok now under the handle of Property Developer Podcast. So if you want to see how my projects are progressing, that's where you can find all the latest updates and videos. Okay, on to today's guest, John Lindemann, a name that might be very familiar to some people because John is a widely respected property market analyst in Australia with well over a decade of experience researching the nature and dynamics of various types of property assets. John is a renowned market researcher that other experts go to for all their Australian investment insights. And his accuracy in predicting the nature and direction of housing markets in Australia is quite legendary. 
So it's awesome to have him with us today. In this discussion with John, we talk about what's happening across the major Australian property markets. Where are the opportunities for property developers? You want to be listening in closely for that part. And what John has learned from observing Australia's property markets for many decades. Keep a close ear out for the type of properties that John thinks has the greatest demand at the moment and presents some immediate opportunities for smart developers out there. John also has a great offer that he will make where people can have a free consultation with him. So be sure to listen out for the details of that because it's a fantastic opportunity if you want to talk to John about an area that you're looking at developing in. So without further ado, let's get stuck into that chat with John and let's start off by finding out what food he would eat until he was sick. Oh, See, that's probably ice cream, I think. <laughs> it's probably the thing I shouldn't eat, but, um, you know, I, I love ice cream and uh, I try not to have it every night, but uh, usually fail. And a particular type of flavour? Have you got some unusual flavour you like? Or No, just um, chocolate is, is my favourite, yeah. Yes, chocolate's mine as well. My kids love ice cream too and they... Um... They're trying all sorts of different ice cream, so they're always keen to go to the shop regardless of what the temperature is. Yeah, and with me, it's a case of just not buying any. Um, at at the moment, I'm on my own because my partner's gone to Perth to do some research over there. And uh, so, you know, there's a great temptation to, to keep buying ice cream. If I don't buy any, I can't eat it. So that's the best uh, solution. I've got to buy exotic flavours to stop the children from eating it. <laughs> Well, John, we're here to talk about property as usual and property developing and you do a number of um, reports and other things that we'll get into shortly. So for people that don't know who you are, can you give us a a quick introduction? Um, I'd love to. I'm a property market analyst. I've been around a long time, Uh, been involved in researching the property market for over 20 years professionally. Um, and I've been an investor for over 40 years, so I've sort of got into property quite early on when I was uh, 20 years old. I bought my first property, um, and it was an interesting story because that that was in Hawthorne in Melbourne, and I bought an old terrace house, did it up, and four years later it, uh, we sold it for double what we had, um, you know, sold it for double what we paid for it. So we're pretty uh, chuffed about that, and I thought, well, this is this is great. Property investing is the way to go. So we did it again. Bought another house this time in Mentone, and uh, in four years we we did it up and put it on the market because we had to move again, um, and actually lost money on the deal. And so I, I realised I didn't really understand how the property market worked at all. And um, you know I went to workshops and boot camps and you know seminars and events to try and find out, and I learned a lot. But no one could actually tell me how the market worked and how investors could get the best uh, benefit. So um, that's why I started researching the market professionally. I spent five years at the Bureau of Statistics and um, I was five years as head of research at Residex before I set up my own company 12 years ago. So it's been a you know a lifetime quest, you might say, to figure out how it works and how you can benefit from that knowledge. Uh, I'm sure there's plenty of listeners uh, sitting there thinking, yeah, we'd like to know how the market works too. <laughs> <laughs> well, I've, I've written a couple of books um, published by Wiley's called Mastering the Australian Housing Market and Unlocking the Property Market. 
Um, you know, you don't even have to buy them because I'm pretty sure that most libraries stock both books. Um, so, you know, I would say a good way to find out how the market works is to start by uh, reading my first book in particular, which I wrote 12 years ago, um, but it's still as relevant today as it was when I wrote it. So would you say that you stumbled into property, that first Hawthorne property? I, I did, and and it wasn't really until I went to the Bureau of Statistics and I studied trend analysis, and um, what I saw was people making a lot of money by looking at uh, the trends of commodity prices, gold and so on, and they could, could work out you know, which way prices were likely to go. And I thought, well, surely you can apply that to the property market as well. I just got to work out what the main indicators are that you need to keep track of, um, which I did. I figured that out uh, quite a long time ago, that it's sales and listings pretty much, it's supply and demand. And um, and if you track those, you can do that for a suburb or a city or the whole of Australia. You can pretty much work out which way prices are likely to go. And so we'll get into that shortly, but did you have a strong background in mathematics or numbers? How did you end up in statistics? Uh, well, yeah, I had a, a marketing background, actually. I got a postgrad in marketing, but marketing has a lot of um, data analysis in it. It's all about numbers, really. And so that was pretty much, you know, the the knowledge of statistics that I had um, that showed me, well, if you can apply trend analysis to gold or to shares or whatever, you can do it to property as well, as long as you do it correctly. So I actually built a database um, back in when I left Residex, 2010. Um, we started collecting data for every single suburb in Australia, 15,000 suburbs, and collecting all the relevant data. So we've been doing that for over 12 years. And that data enables me to make you know fairly accurate predictions as to which way prices and rents are likely to go. And so in those early days when you had your theory about how it might work and then you I'm imagining you started to see it unfold, what was that feeling like? But pretty exciting when I, I realised that, um, you know, if, just with a few numbers, you can make very, very accurate predictions and um, things like, ex an example, um, Hay, which is a, a, a town in the south of New South Wales, um, they were all the farmers there were converting to cotton because it was far more profitable. And so the cotton cooperative, Ozcot, decided to build a cotton gin. Now, they needed to bring in 160 workers and their families to build that cotton gin. And you think, well, that wouldn't really have much of an effect on the market. But when we were tracking the sales and the listings, we could see that there were only about three rental vacancies in the whole of Hay and only a few properties you know, on, on the market. So that meant that the rent demand was going to escalate dramatically, uh, which it did. And then, of course, investors started buying properties and, and the actual price of uh, houses in Hay doubled in about seven months. So we were able to predict that. I, I made it a public prediction that I thought Hay was going to boom. Um, and that's been you know, typical of the sorts of results we get by looking at the right numbers. Well, that sounds like a better public prediction than ones like the market's going to fall by 40%. Yeah, well, it never has, and I don't think it ever will. Um, you know, even during, I studied the property market right back to 1901 in order to work out, you know, how it worked. And um, I came up with what I call the three Ps, which is the uh, whether there's a shortage or a surplus of properties purchasing power, you know, whether people can 
borrow money, whether they need to borrow money, because a lot of people don't when they buy property, if they're downsizing. And the last one was people, and that's the most important indicator of the lot. You know, if you have people coming into an area, then, of course, they need somewhere to live, and that's why uh, the demand for rents or for purchases starts to increase. Yep, I'm going to ask you about population uh, at some stage, but just before we move along, um, property investing, what uh, what other investing or properties have you acquired or have happened along the way for you? Um, well, quite a few. I've um, I'd, in, in my first book, I, I um, explained that property investing is a sort of a, a journey. So when I started, it was all about leveraging as much growth as I possibly could. Um, so I bought in areas that I believed were going to go up in, in value pretty quickly, um, borrow as much as I safely could, because if I'm paying, you know, six, seven percent interest and I'm getting 12 percent growth, then I'm making money on the borrowed money. So that's what I call good debt. Um, and I bought properties in Victoria, Tasmania, Queensland, New South Wales. I've never bought any in South Australia or WA, but that, that could be changing soon. Um, but the whole idea is that over time, when you've got enough equity, you then change to um, having properties for cash flow. So at the moment, our properties, which are based in Queensland and New South Wales and Tasmania, are in high cash flow generating areas. So we, you know, have short-term rent demand, Airbnb, that sort of thing. So, you know, when you get to my age, you don't want to be going for growth because you're only going to leave it to the kids or grandkids anyway. Um, but it's all about cash flow, and that's that's what what our investment uh, strategy is right now. Yes. Yeah, so, so our listeners of our show will be property developers, so looking for opportunities to develop into places that have good opportunities. Yeah. How did you get into the reports in terms of building a business around it? Um, well, back in 2016, we were awarded uh, a patent for our property prediction methodology. So it's the only patented predictive method. Uh, once we were awarded that patent, then we were able to go out and start, you know, marketing um, predictive reports. And that's really, you know, been a, a main part of the business for quite a long time. But we don't just sell reports to private investors. We sell reports to renovators and to developers um, we do big reports for, you know, big developers and what we call help reports, which is housing and global land prediction uh, reports so that we can look at a whole area. So it might be a city like Mackay or something and work out if there's room for, you know, how many hundred lots or, or not. Um, and down to small mum and dad developers who might be doing a splitter or urban infill, we can do a report for them. And, and it's not just about what the growth potential is, but also we tell them exactly what type of property is going to work best, which is, you know, really quite critical. And speaking of infill, I think there's quite a bit of movement happening on the East Coast capitals around improving infill development or at least streamlining it. That's the sense I'm getting from the way governments are talking to try and catch up with supply needs would you agree with that or what's your take on what's sort of happening in that infill market well I, I mean it's you know i live in um in a in the west of sydney and all around me i can see you know houses being knocked down and, and duplexes being put up 
um, because everybody wants to live in the big cities. You know, no one wants to live out in the country. And so this issue is going to get more and more pressing because we've got uh, at the moment you know, about four or 500,000 people coming in each year from overseas and nearly all of them want to live in our big capital cities. So that means the housing demand is going to escalate. We've got to house people, so we have to make more room available in the cities, and that's the only way to do it. And so what are you seeing kind of broadly across markets that you can share with us over the last year or two or and maybe where you see things going? Um, well, I think that the first thing is I mentioned the three Ps, and I think um, – Certainly, we've got a massive increase in population occurring right now, and that's going to continue for some time. Um, we've also got a massive, a massive uh, shortage of properties, and there's just not been enough development. Um, and so that means that you know, rents and prices are going to increase dramatically. So I can see an, a number of um, different sort of trends emerging. I think the first one is rent demand in the inner urban areas of our big cities is going to escalate. But also, when you look at one third of our population is aged 55 and over, um, these people are starting to downsize, and that means that they sell the family home. They can put up to $600,000 into super tax-free as a, um, a special benefit that the federal government introduced some time ago. So it means that these people can downsize and secure their financial future. So I think for developers in particular, you know, the the, the big um, areas that, that are likely to boom in, in the coming years. In the cities themselves, you'll find people moving to the more attractive sort of coastal bayside, riverside areas in smaller homes, maybe even units um, that are attractively located, but also a lot of demand moving into regional markets that are not too far away from a capital city. So I can see that, uh, you know, housing demand will, will exponentially rise in those sorts of attractive areas, um, but also it's going to mean that the type of housing will will need to be different because older people would want to live in a single level house. They would want uh, low maintenance, easy accessibility, and easy to secure. So it's a particular type of dwelling that they're going to be looking for. And so, is that kind of supply? I mean, that's only one section of the market. Is that supply starting to flow through? Um, well, the demand is. Uh, you can see that uh, prices in, in some of the coastal areas have doubled in over the last few years. Um, that's sort of calmed down a bit now because I think the you know spate of interest rate rises that we've had has sort of dented confidence and it's going to take a, a while for that to come back again. Um, so fewer people, when we look at the listings data, we can see that fewer people are trying to sell homes right now. Um, listings are down, the sales are down, but that's all going to pick up, I think, uh, in the next few months and as confidence returns to the market. Why do you think that's, why do you think listings will pick up? Because um, people will want to be more confident about selling. Um, right now, they're just, they're holding off. It's uh, it's a sort of a, you know, when people are concerned um, they're not sure what's going to happen. And so they're just saying, well, let's just sit tight for a little while. But the pressure is still, you know, increasing on these people. They're getting older and they're going to have to make that move in the next few years. So I think that you'll see the, you know, re attractive sort of tourist holiday type areas uh, are going to increase in, in demand from older people in particular. And what about first and second home 
buyers? What's happening in that segment? Yeah, that's uh, slowed down a lot because of, you know, the consecutive interest rate hikes we've had. But I think that um, growth will return to the first-time buyer market. It won't it probably take about six months before that starts to happen again. And from there, it then moves into the upgrader market. Um, so it sort of ripples up through the market gradually. So I think uh, we'll see growth in the first-time buyer market start again. Uh, and let's not forget that the you know four or five hundred thousand people coming into Australia are going to want to buy their own homes in a few years as well. So you know, first home buyer demand is going to escalate dramatically in the next few years. I'm quite curious to ask you, given you've seen a few decades of cycles, this one feels different in that. You've got this booming population now in Australia. You've got high inflation, not crazy inflation, but high inflation. You've got escalating build costs, which don't seem to be stabilising. And then you've got uh, limited supply, like building approvals going down. It's Mm. a really strange equation at the moment. Well, I think... A lot of this is due to the fact that we went through the you know pandemic, um, and that's really changed the, the dynamics quite uh, significantly. And we had two years of locked um, borders where nobody could come into Australia. We had lockdowns in some states in, in Victoria that are quite extensive, and Melbourne was the most locked down city in the world. Um, we've also had um, now you know huge population growth. And as you mentioned, inflation, that's come about because of the, you know, the government borrowing $2 trillion that didn't exist before. Um, so we've now got um, quite high inflation. We'll have that for some time. But, you know, we, as you say, I've, I've been through several cycles and um, I've seen all this sort of thing happen before, you know, and, and not when from personal experience, but even looking at the market uh, the two world wars, for example, in each case we had, um, you know, no people coming into Australia during the wars, but after the war we had a huge population boom. We had inflation, but we also had huge house price growth. And after each of those two world wars, housing prices doubled in a few years. So um, I'm predicting that something similar is about to happen again. Well, that strikes me as being extraordinary. I mean, I do think that they will grow as well, but whether they will double um time will tell but it makes me think you mentioned purchasing power it seems like people's purchasing power isn't keeping up with property prices and where they're headed well not it hasn't been for some time um they've been falling behind but i think that um you know we've now got a, a labor government's more friendly towards some um, wage earners and and so i think that wages are pretty be going up um inflation will stay up for some time i don't think that's going to go away so interest rates might come down a little bit, um, but people will find ways and means to get the money they need to buy a property. You know, there are different ways of of extending the mortgage period and, and so on. So um, I think that price, I don't think they'll double, but I certainly think that we're in for a, quite a big housing market boom in the next few years. Yeah, I get that sense as well, just given some of the fundamentals, the huge influx mm. of people the shortage of houses the lack of building that's taking place and the cost of buildings you simply have more people than houses or more people more new people than more new houses that's right um 
And that means that, you know, rents are going up now and prices will go up uh, over the next few years without a doubt. And I'm always telling people, you know, if you, if you haven't got a property, um, get into the market now while you can. Um, even if you do sort of rent vesting, you know, where you're renting, you buy a small investment property, um, but get in there because it's going to go up quite significantly. Yes, I was having this conversation with my sales agent the other day. So I'm just about to start a campaign to sell some townhouses. And I was saying the smart people should be able to see that they need to get into the market sooner rather than later because it really only seems like prices are going to go one way. That's right. And that that's always happened in the past. And, um, you know, the, the conditions that you've mentioned, which are quite unusual, but when they have occurred, in the past, we've always seen a mass, massive housing boom coming as a result of that. Um, so I think, you know, that history can teach us that it's going, to, it's going to happen again. And so having looked at those periods where similar conditions existed, how did that play out? Was it just a period of a few years where things just slowly recalibrated? It Yeah, in each case, the um, prices went up dramatically and then, they sort of plateaued and didn't go anywhere for quite a while after that. So it was about four or five years of price growth. Um, and then it sort of, you know, the um, rents went up instead of prices as people, you know, couldn't afford to buy any anymore. So they had to rent. Um, so I can see that that sort of, you know, series could happen again. Prices will go up uh, and then rents will follow. But, um, you know, at the moment, yields are still very low historically compared, you know, to what they have been in the past. So I think that, um, you know, rent is a, a much um, the best advice I can give is, is, say, you know, get in there and buy a property as soon as you can um, because it's not going to get any cheaper to rent. And then what about for developers listening in in terms of opportunities? Should they be looking at specific types of stock or is it sort of anything goes there's just not enough of everything so it doesn't really matter what you build i think that you know the, the biggest trend i can see is the downsizing trend um you know we've got a, a huge number of uh, baby boomers out there and i think they'll be looking for properties in in the cities of sydney melbourne brisbane um you know attractive areas and most nice units or uh, duplexes or townhouses um, where they can downsize to but stay in the same city or if they're moving to regional areas again I'd say that um, you know the, the style of property that would suit an older person is is what you want to be developing. Mm, well it's going to be really interesting to see how all this unfolds just with everything that's going on so it's been a couple of interesting years in property and it looks like a couple more coming up yeah definitely i mean when you look at the um the the downsizers for example um let's say they own property in sydney or melbourne it could be worth about two million two and a half million um would be a fairly you know price they have no debt on that um so when they downsize they put 600 into their super They've still got to, and even if they keep a few hundred thousand for the world trip or give to the kids or whatever, they're still able to buy property well over a million dollars. So when you look at prices in the regional markets now, most of them are not anywhere near that. So there's a lot of growth potential in those areas and a lot of uh, opportunities for developers to do very well. And what about things that you've learnt along the way or learnt about yourself over 
the last couple of decades tracking property markets, John? Um, what have I learned? I, th- I think the main thing I've learned is that uh, the property market is predictable, um, and we you know we've developed our our um, database, which tracks all of the suburbs, has done that for over twelve years, and the predictions that it's made are over ninety percent accurate in terms of both the direction and intensity of price growth. So it's a, it's been a pretty pretty good record. We're very happy with that. We'd love it if it was a hundred percent, but we can't we can't quite uh, get that. But ninety percent is is pretty good. And it's all data driven. So I think that, you know, that's the biggest thing I've learned is that you can um, predict and also you can, you know, make predictions about what type of housing is going to be in most in demand, as I mentioned, downsizes. Um, so we can sort of look at areas and see pretty quickly, you know, what type of property is going to be uh, the most in demand in those areas. And what about, I wanted to ask you about potential properties to maybe avoid getting in, into developing yeah I, I don't think there's anything you know it's the whole market is going to go up um from first home buyers upgraders downsizers the rent demand is escalating so you know i think that um as long as you do it correctly i think you could almost build anything almost anywhere and and, and do quite well in coming years um but i'd say that i think that you know to avoid anything um Maybe the you know bigger style homes, uh, the demand for those is going to be less in future than what it is now. Yeah, that would make sense. People trying to minimise their spending on property if they can, or managing their budgets. So mm. huge houses, maybe not where the biggest market is over the coming couple of years. That's right. Uh, what about lessons about yourself, John, along the journey? What have you learned about yourself? Ah, oh, that's what have I learned? <laughs> um, I think I've 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 learned a lot about um, what I like doing. And I think it's important, you know, that over the years, and we, we've had our company over twelve years, and um, I've always liked presenting. A lot of people hate it, but I, I love getting up in front of a big crowd of people and and speaking. And I think um, that I've discovered, you know, that's the sort of thing I like doing. I like writing. Um, so I write a lot about the property market. And if you go to our website, um, which I'm sure we'll talk about in a minute, um, there's lots of blogs and so on there about how the market works. So, you know, that, that's what I've learned, I think, is find out what you like um, and do that. And then, you know, people have said to me, when are you going to retire? And I said, well, I don't think I will because there's really, you know, what else can I do? Um, this is what I love doing. And so I'll just keep doing it as long as uh, – People want to hear what I have to say or, you know, pay money to buy our reports. What about myths or common misunderstandings of the property market that you've found don't hold water? Oh, there's uh, there's quite a few. Um, I think the, the biggest myth that um, I come across is the theory of buy and hold. Um, I'm a firm believer in timing the market. That is, you, you buy, you work out when the growth is about to increase and you buy just before the growth starts or when it does start and you sell when the growth is finished. And, and that's quite easy to do and you can do a lot better. But there's a lot of people out there who advocate, you know, time in the market and they say, no, you've got to, you know, buy a property and hang on to it for 10 years. Um, 
And of course, if you do that, you're only going to get the average growth of whatever the property market delivers. You'll never do any better than that. Um, and we do a lot of reports for buyers agents and, and a lot of buyers agents will say it's all about time in the market. And I think it it's because they're not confident enough to say, oh, prices are going to go up in a year um, because, you know, they might get it wrong. So they just say you've got to, you know, hang in there for a long time. So I think that's that is a myth. You can actually invest in areas that have got boom potential and do much better. So it's probably the, the biggest one. I think the other myth is um is the idea that you know when you buy an investment property, uh, a lot of people do this and with the view of we might retire there or move there later or whatever. And and you know, so um when you buy a property, it's got to be, you know, a decision that's made with your head. And not your heart. It's it's no. You're not going to live there yourself. You're going to rent it out. So use the um, the tools that are out there to make sure you you buy the right property. So I think that you know the the myths, heart not head, um, and time in the market are the, the two biggest ones I've I've come across. Yeah, I think the time in the market is a nice one that agents uh, and other property related people rely on because it smooths out the the bumps and so mm. you know the time heals heals all wounds kind of thing <laughs> that's right <laughs> um but when you look at how the market works you see that um there are short periods of growth and it's usually quite quite you know high growth um and then long periods in between and sydney's famous for this i mean we had 10 years from 2003 to 2013 where prices didn't go up at all um, but in the two years prior to that, so 2000 to 2002, they nearly doubled. And then again in 2013, we had another boom after, after that, um, leading into the, you know, the pandemic. So, and, and most markets work like that. So the idea is to get in there and buy just before those booms are about to occur. And so is that part of the analysis that you do across the country? You're constantly assessing the data to see. Yeah where what is it suburbs or regions or areas it's actually just suburbs um but we like i, I predicted that um hobart was going to boom back in 2016 um and it became the best performing capital city over the next two years after that um i predicted in about october last year that perth was about to boom and it's now you know a booming market people can't get in there because all the buyers agents are busy buying up everything they can um so it's really booming, but you know it's quite easy to to know which areas have got potential to boom and then go in there. Like our reports will tell people exactly which areas uh, have got that potential. So, you know, what's a couple of suburbs for us, John? Would you like a couple of suburbs? <laughs> well, I can I can give you an example. Um, <laughs> This is just when, me and you. Don't worry. I'll make <laughs> 21. <laughs> no, well, I, I made the mistake once of um, I, I made a prediction. It was I, I wrote for Australian Property Investor magazine for five years when it was a hard copy publication. So every month I had to write an article. Um, and I predicted that Weeper, which which is a town right up in the north of uh, Queensland, where there's a huge um, aluminium or producing mine, ultimately it's, it's not it starts off as a mineral but it ends up being aluminium and um this town was we looked at the indicators and we could see a huge rental shortage and they were going to expand the port and so that would rents would go up and prices would go up so i actually 
wrote in about this in in the magazine that Weeper was going to be the Port Hedland of, of the East and it would boom in the way that um, Port Hedland did a few years before that. Um, and people took me at my word and started buying properties. And so Weeper boomed um, because of what I'd said, you know, like that. And so I realised that I'd actually made the boom. I mean, it was going to happen anyway, but it just made it a lot quicker. Um, and so I'm very reluctant now to actually publicly, you know, say anything in that way because they can actually, you know, make the market. Um, but I will give you an example, if you like, of of how you can make predictions. Now, when you look at Tasmania, and we talked about downsizes, a lot of people move from the mainland, especially Victoria, to Tasmania when they retire. And it's about 150,000 people a year that uh, make that move. And they would go to Hobart or um, Launceston or Devonport or Burnie. They're the four big cities. And when you look at the median prices in all those cities, they're now well over six hundred thousand dollars. So it's it's unaffordable. So what's the next biggest town in Tasmania? It's Alveston. That's the fifth biggest town, and prices are still well under six hundred thousand. So if you want to make some money pretty quickly, you could buy a property in in Alveston and uh, hang on to it for a few years, and you'll find all the retirees will will you know, start racing into uh, to buy properties. Wheeling in, wheeling in, you mean to to buy properties? Yeah. <laughs> well, maybe I can give you a couple of suburb names, and you can start talking about them. Give me a bit of a leg up <laughs> where I've got some projects that are coming ready for uh, sales. Well, we we do um, a report called the uh, it's called what to build or renovate to. Um, it's a special report, and so if you're actually looking at an area and you think, well, I don't really know if this area's got got growth potential. The report will tell you what the potential is, you know, during a typical hold period of up to three years, but it will also tell you what type of property is the best to to build or to renovate to. So, um, and they, they're available on our website, those reports. They're quite... Yeah, so where can people go if they're interested in a report <clears throat> like that, John? Well, if you'd like, you can have a look. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, our website is called lindemanreports.com.au. So it's lindeman, L-I-N-D, E-M-A-N, reports.com.au. If you go there, you can and look up on the menu under reports. You'll see uh, what reports we, we currently have, and one of those will be the what to build or renovate to report. Um, it tells you all about the report, and also you can have a look at a sample report, so you can see exactly what's uh, what's you know contained in those reports, and that's for all our different reports that we produce. Uh, we provide samples so you can have a look and see before you, uh, you know, you decide to spend any money. Yeah, I had some colleagues who got one of your reports for a suburb that we were doing projects in, um, and it was good. I think it was a few years ago. I can't, I'm pretty sure it came, your projections panned out, <laughs> what I remember. Well, they, they usually do, but... Um... And a lot of our reports, which are called performance predictors, they're just a little report that tells you, is this area going to go up or down in price, you know, the next 12 months to three years to five years? Um, five years is about as far as we can predict with any degree of confidence, you know, because beyond that, um, it is uh, it is pure prophecy and, and you can't really predict what's likely to happen. But up to, you know, three to five years, we can do that. Um so you go to the website, lindemanreports.com.au, if you want to find out about our reports or our blogs or any other information 
Um, it's all all there, and there's a lot of good stuff that's uh, completely free for you to have a look at. And I think you mentioned you were going to offer our listeners <laughs> a, a special on some of your reports. Is that true? Um, well, better than that, I'm going to give give uh, myself away for for nothing. Um, so what you can do is if you go to that website, lindemanreports.com.au, and look up free consultancy, and you'll see that um, you can book in a time. So offering a free telephone consultation for 30 minutes. Uh, there's no obligation. I'm not going to sell anything. It's just simply if you, you know, you've got some pressing questions you want answered about where should I be doing my development or should I be selling or what should I be doing, anything at all about property, uh, I'd be happy to to answer your questions in that free telephone consultation. So you have to book in <clears throat> to go to the website, lindemanreports.com.au, and you'll see the uh, free consultation there and just um, book yourself in and we'll talk about property. Oh, I think I might log in and book one in with you after we finished recording this <laughs> have a chat with you further uh, but that's awesome that would be a great uh, a great way to get some insight for people who are doing projects around the place so um, hopefully people will take you up on that switching gears a little bit what do you reckon the best piece of advice is that you've ever received along the way the best piece is probably um, get into property as soon as you can, which is why I was 20 years old when I, I bought my first house, um, and that was on the advice of my older brother, who's a builder, and um, and he said, John, you know, prices will go up and you've got to get in there as soon as you possibly can. And um, he said, don't listen to mum and dad because they were always talking about debt being bad debt. Um, and he said, no, good debt is when you buy property because it's actually going to appreciate in value. And he was quite right. So were you living in Melbourne at the time when you bought this Hawthorne property or was it an interstate purchase? No, I was living in Melbourne. Um, we lived, I think, about two streets away from that property because um, I had to you know, do some renovation to it. Um, but I'm actually from Sydney. So I, it's a story of how I moved to Melbourne is because I I met a very attractive girl and uh, and she said, look, let's live six months in Sydney and six months in Melbourne. Um, and I chose Sydney first. And then after six months, she said, now it's time to move to Melbourne. And of course, what happened then was we bought a property, we started a family, and it took me 15 years to <laughs> to move back to Sydney. But um, it's a long, a long story, but um, that's why I actually moved to Melbourne. <laughs> um for six months <laughs> yeah it never left yes well, it took a long time to leave it did and and uh well we both we you know the whole family came came back to sydney it was new for, new for them um but yeah it took quite a long time because it's that first six months it was all fun and games and the second six months it was more serious about time to buy you know settle down and get a, a property and, and so on yeah, well, it's a little bit harder to buy in Hawthorne these days when uh, you probably moved into the area. Um, yeah, well, it was still there were a lot of Greeks living in Hawthorne at the time, um, and a lot of unrenovated terraces. You know that were just calling out for for attention, but you could see the potential. Um, I certainly could, and I thought that um, because in in Sydney, you know, the terraces were being renovated and, and done up in places like Paddington and Balmain, and I thought, well, this is going to be a good investment, which it was. Um, I then made the mistake, of course, with the second one, 
of thinking that that just automatically happened all the time and of course prices don't always go up uh, yes i had a similar experience with my first development where the council made me put more units on the site and so then when i went to do my second project in the same area with the same council i was shocked when they were upset with the similar number of units that i went to do on my next project and <laughs> ended up having to do less so yes it doesn't always work out exactly as you think it will no that's right uh, what about your top tip for developers listening in who might want to take their developing to the next level well, I think the I mentioned the downsizing um, movement. I think that's really going to be the biggest trend over the next three to five years. Um, I'd be looking if you're going to develop, um, look at you know developing for older people who are downsizing. So, for example, if you're going to do townhouses in a city, then make sure that um, one bedroom is downstairs and that all the living areas are downstairs, so that the older people can sort of get around on the ground floor. And when the kids and grandkids come to visit, they'll be the ones going up upstairs. Um, that style of of development, I think, has got you know the most legs over the next few years. And indeed, in in regional markets, same thing applies. And I, I did mention um, that uh, what to build or renovate to report, and uh, the sample report is actually for a place called Sussex Inlet, which is a holiday resort in Sydney. Um, and that that report actually indicated what what the right style of property was to build in that area, and it was for retirees. Yeah, it's funny because I was thinking about this and talking to someone the other day about that there is this demand for uh, retirees who are looking for smaller units, two bedroom units, single level. But to be able, there's a lot of planning constrictions that stop you from actually being able to deliver product like that on a block of land to a density level that makes it worthwhile from a profit and return perspective for a developer. So you've you've got this conundrum where there's demand for a particular type of product, but the actual the planning uh, zoning doesn't facil facilitate it. I, I think that'll change over time, Justin, as the, the sheer weight of numbers will, will force uh, local governments, you know, a lot of them to to look at this more differently. Um, and what we've noticed too is that when older people move into these regional markets, they they don't want to leave again. So it's like they make new friends and and so on, and they make uh, you know new relationships, and then they want to stay there. So even when they get to the point where they can't really look after a home anymore, um, they still want to stay in the same area. So that means that be demand for micro units, that sort of style of living as well. So um, I think it's worth having a little bit of a think about, well, you know, what areas is this, is this going to affect and um, and how councils will have to adjust to this demand in future. Oh, I think that weight of demand is already there, John. Yeah, I think it's certainly um, already in many areas, you know, there's a lot of people. I, like you look at Sussex Inland, I think, is the median age is 60, um, which means there's as many people aged under 60 as there is aged over 60. So there's a lot of older people. Um and in a lot of these these coastal areas. Yeah, well, I think of my mother-in-law. She's in that situation. She's in a four-bedroom house. She'd probably be happy to move into somewhere smaller, but she wants to stay nearby. But there's just no suitable stock. The old stock isn't what she wants, and it's just not viable to, mm -hmm. to do that kind of project for the land cost 
in the area due to the planning constraints. So she's stuck. And that's uh, very unfortunate. But let's hope that local governments start to realise that this, you know they're going to have to change because of that demand. Well, I think the state mm. government, federal government, have already realised it, and now they no longer can shut their eyes and stick their fingers in their ears and try and ignore it. Mm. Well, because we're already behind the eight ball and we've got more people coming in. That's right. And of course, uh, these, you know, they're all renters and they're, they're going to actually, after a few years, they're going to become first-time buyers. Um, so you can see that, you know, the demand is escalating in all areas of the market over the next few years. It's going to be really interesting to see what happens. I think there's going to be some great opportunities for developers over the next few years. There'll be great pockets of opportunity that people need to seek out and there'll be opportunities to get greater returns than than average if you do it right, I think. Yeah. All right. Well, anything else you want to add, John? Otherwise, where can people find you? I mean, you've given the website, but is there anywhere else people can catch you? Um, well, no, I think the website is is the main vehicle that uh, people can, you know, look up, find out more about me. Uh, so if you go to Lindemann Reports, dot uh, com that au you'll see a lot of information there and about uh, what we do in our reports and so on um but also you know so if you do have some pressing questions about the property market or your own development or or uh, you know potential development uh, please do book in a free consult with me because it's it's free and you've got 30 minutes of me um and i can access my database so we can look at it specific areas you know answer whatever questions you have Fantastic. Well, like I said, I might jump on and do a booking after the uh, after the call. Um, but John, it's been really fantastic talking with you. You're uh, another legend of Australian property, so it's fantastic to have you on the show. I've really enjoyed speaking with you, and thanks for sharing your insights with us today. It's been a pleasure, Justin. You've been listening to the Property Developer Podcast. Tune in next time for more tips, ideas and inspiration to take your developing to the next level. For more developing love, make sure to visit propertydeveloperpodcast.com.